And uh, Normally I see this coming, but it's been so busy, I didn't see it coming. So thank you, and I say that on behalf of James and Jessica and Randy and Heather and Jessica, I think I said her twice, and uh, Greg, man, we are blessed, right Greg? Hallelujah, hallelujah. How many would like a blessing from God like right now? I'm not kidding. I'm not talking about later on. I'm talking about right now. Well, let me up the ante. How many would like two? I ain't kidding. Two blessings from God. Are you ready? Guys, if you could put up that first scripture... I hope I left that there for you. I think I did. So uh, we're going to turn to, in your Bibles, or you can look up here. In fact, look up here because then we're all using the same version. If we're not using the same version and we say it out loud, we're speaking in tongues. And so uh, it gets confusing, right? So I want to, uh, I w- I want to do this this way. First of all, read aloud with me. That will be the first thing. Are you ready? Here we go. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which gave, God gave him to show his servants, which must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse 3, blessed, there's the first one is the one who reads the words. What are you doing right now? You're reading the words. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed, number blessing number two, are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Praise the Lord. You just got two blessings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got two blessings. Because I don't think God is going to lie about giving a blessing. And so he said that he will bless you when you read it and when you listen to it. And then there's one more. Actually, uh, number three, when you do it. When you keep it. When you place it into, put it into order in your life when it becomes a part of your life, a part of your practice, if you will. Then it says, because the time is near. I think most of us are in agreement today, the time of Jesus returning is near. When I witnessed what just, I have no words to describe, when I witness demonically Empowered or empowered individuals who were clawing with their fingernails the doors of the Supreme Court and they were hissing. One individual said they were gnashing their teeth. Now, folks, you don't have to read your Bibles very far into the New Testament, especially when you read about that type of behavior. And that type of behavior wasn't really those individuals. 
they were being intoxicated by the enemy. Satan had riled up inside of them such an evil response to the new Supreme Court justice that they gave way to demonic presence. They opened up the door. You know, you can open up the the door to demonic presence. You can allow yourself an open door that the enemy will step in, that the evil will come in and grab a hold of you and remove your good sense, remove any righteousness, remove anything that is of God because God doesn't share and the devil doesn't like to share. So when he comes in, he comes in very angry. We know that this is the last days. But good news, and I say this as, a, uh, as an encouragement to you, the time is near. Come on, somebody. The time is near. Did I lose? Did I lose this? Okay, I'm back. The time is near. And I want, that's the message this morning. The time is near. When you read the words of prophecy, when you listen to the words of prophecy, hallelujah, you put it into place, you are blessed. Hallelujah. So you, you've already gotten blessed, so I guess you can go ahead and go. Just kidding. Hallelujah. Hey, does this guy look like T.D. Jakes or what? I mean, I mean, bro, you are just... I'm looking at this brilliance, this shine that's coming from you. I thought, man, that is the, uh, that is the Shekinah glory. Hallelujah. The Shekinah glory walked into the room. And he even moved the pulpit. Hallelujah. I love that, man. Hallelujah. You are a faithful servant of the Lord God. You've been uh, faithful to First Church for many, many years. You're one of the hardest working people I know. And there should be a, a, you know, it should be a Charles Day. You know, I get a day. Man, should be a Charles Lytle Day. Praise the Lord. How many agree it should be a Charles Lytle Day? Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And you share about this often. How many years of sobriety? 27 years next week. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Loving his appearing. Loving his appearing. Okay, here we go. Let me see. This means absolutely nothing, but I am looking anyway. So, the coming of the Lord is near. Let me just, isn't it awesome how the Father gave the revelation to the Son? The Son gave the revelation to John. John gave the revelation to the churches. And the churches and throughout history, the revelation has been given to us. We call it the book of Revelation. But it's really, it's a vision. It's a, it's a revelation given by Jesus Christ, given from the Father, for us to know, for all of us to be loving the appearing of Jesus Christ, waiting for his return. And I think some of us here are waiting anxiously because as we see the 
the day approaching, as it says in Hebrews, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We are supposed to do something according to Hebrews chapter 10, and that is we are to provoke one another unto love and to good works and all the more. I don't know what all the more is, but I like more. As you see the day approaching, the day approaching is exactly that event. The time is near. Throughout Scripture, you see, and especially in the New Testament, but not only, but especially in the New Testament, of the coming of the Lord. Of the coming of the Lord. But like I said, in the Old Testament, go to Zechariah, for instance, and uh, chapter 14, and, and read, and read about the coming of the Messiah. And what's going to be taking place. You know, it says, and this is not part of my message, this is just free. So, Jerusalem, the Jews, Israel, is going to be, it's described as a cup. And it is a cup that is poured from heaven above with God's blessing, with God's protection, with God's uh, inspiration and God's plan, his children are going to be unstoppable. Every nation will come against them and fail because he will empower them and they come against them. It'll be like Superman. They will bounce off. Read about in Zechariah chapter 14, but, but not right now. So I want to share about loving his appearing. Because I know, I know you probably already are, but I feel like we need to do just that. We need to be a church that is loving the appearing of the Christ. Because when we are loving his appearing, then you know time is short, i got to get busy. When you know he's coming, you begin to prioritize in a different way. So it behooves us to prioritize ourselves with the thought that Christ is coming soon, I need to be at work. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business when he was just a little boy. It says to us, when we look at that example, at that time he was about 12 years of age, and he was talking to individuals who were, who were very knowledgeable scholars but what we find out is, is if a 12-year-old, a junior high individual, or whatever age, a child can be affected from the Lord at a young age, think of what they're going to be like when they get older. We teach our kids many, 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 many things throughout this life. But the most important thing that we, and I'll say with legacy, that we pass on to our kids, hopefully, is serving Jesus Christ and loving the Lord God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because you know what this is here? This is short time. This is, this is short stuff here. There is coming a day when Jesus will come and we will spend eternity. I, I can't get my arms wrapped around that. I cannot begin to describe to you how long eternity is. But forever and ever and ever, no more death, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more mortgages. 
No more chariot payments. Well, that's what they were thinking early on, New Testament. We are going to be spending life together, and we're going to be living a life we cannot even begin to imagine. It will all begin when we are changed and we become like him. For the Bible says, this corruption cannot inherit heaven. It must put on incorruptible. I have heard that so many times throughout my life, beginning especially when my sister passed away. I was 18. I was at that funeral. I dearly missed her already. She was my favorite person in the world. Ange, are you in the room? And who's your favorite now? Now. Now. That's what I want to talk about is now. We were dating back then. But at that time, my sister was everything to me. And I heard the pastor, who was actually my uncle, doing the funeral. And as he was sharing from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, of how this corruption must put on incorruption, how this mortality must put on immortality. We're talking about life everlasting. Come on, try to get a hold of that right now. How many is getting a little bit tired of your corruption? How many is getting a little bit Tired of your morality. See, we are weak. We're trying to be strong. But I've been noticing something in the last couple of years. I'm getting older. <laughs> and it's not just because it's, in, you know, it's on my birth certificate. I, I just got my passport, so I had to give them my, my birth certificate. Then they sent it back to me when they were done. But uh, I thought... Man, that guy's old. <laughs> and in some areas, I'm feeling it. And that's a good promise that the Lord has given to us that all things will be changed. Now, I'm still hoping to meet the Lord in the air and not after they just have my funeral. Or not after, because as soon as you die, boom. I used to joke around and say, if I'm preaching up here and the Lord decides to take me home, like a heart attack or something, that before I hit the floor, six foot all, six foot one of me, before it hits the floor, I'll be with Jesus. I used to talk about that. I still believe that. I just didn't know how close it was going to come. <laughs> Seven years ago this month. Seven years ago this month. I had a, a heart attack right here. I led worship. I'm hardcore. <laughs> I was leading worship. I led communion. And I got through most of that with some issues, but okay, now I'm feeling better. Now I'm feeling better. And then announcements came, and as I was right there uh, listening to announcements, I started feeling this wave hit me. 
And I thought, I need to go to the hospital. Only to find out I had 99% blockage in what they call the widow maker. And so they put a stint in, and here I am seven years later, and I don't mess around with that joke anymore. Because <laughs> it just might happen. Then the devil tried to kill me on that ladder. God sent me an angel called Ray, and he was holding it. So there was a spiritual conflict. There were, I mean, Ray had his sword out and everything. Falling 20 feet with no broken bones, no internal injuries, is nothing but short of a miracle of God. And I've had many, many, many medical personnel tell me that. That you can, you can fall two, three feet and break something, hurt something, you know, whatever. And, uh, and God has, has blessed me. But there is coming a day when there will be no accidents. Think of that. There will be no heart attacks. There will be no cursed cancer. We will be changed. So I'm hoping that I will meet Christ in the air. I want to hear the trumpet sound. Ann says my hearing's not getting, not doing the best. But I know that, I, I know that probably Michael will be blowing that one. Could be Gabriel, but I'm going to bet on Michael. And when he blows that horn, all of us who are believers are going to immediately be translated out of this place and into the presence of the Lord. And I love this part. And we shall all be changed. That used to be the spiritual, the biblical verse that was on the front door of the nursery for many years. And we shall all be changed. I kid you not. I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Whoever came up with that, I thought that was pretty good. But the Bible says we will, we will be changed because, you see, we cannot join Christ. We cannot join the holy ones who will come with him, according to the Old Testament and the New Testament. We cannot join them with the body that we now have, and so we will be changed between here and when we meet him in the sky. We were sharing in Acts chapter 1 just the other night at Care Group, and we were talking about when, when Jesus was encouraging his disciples, instructing them that they were to pray and wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then as he was speaking to the disciples, he began, now this is the coolest sight, he began to ascend up into the air, and I'm thinking, for dramatic purposes, he made it slow. And he just began to go up higher and higher and higher, like a helium balloon going up and up until you can no longer see him, and the disciples were just doing this. And an angel appeared and said, close your mouths and put your head down. What are you looking at? This same Christ who left you will come in the same manner. So that is what we're looking for. This verse, because the time is near, is referring to the coming of the Christ. And we should love his appearing. Okay, I'm going to 
share just a few things about loving the appearing, but again, there's a special blessing when you read this. You're being blessed today also as you just hear this message. Nothing because of what I have to say personally, but because of the implication of the Word of God of Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, is being expanded right now. As you listen to it, as you embrace it, you see, if you do not embrace it, it is not your blessing. You will not be blessed by God. You have to embrace it. There will be a day when you have no longer the choice. On my, uh, on my music selection, I was listening to it the other day, just a couple days ago, and a song by uh, a guy that maybe some of you heard of, maybe some, many of you have not. His name is Larry Norman. He passed away some time ago. Larry Norman was a, uh, he was a converted hippie who uh, God gave a lot of songs to. And, uh, and he wrote one song that was really uh, popular called, I Wish We Had All Been Ready. And there's many groups who did that song. Besides this long, blonde hair down to his waist guy who, uh, who could not speak without speaking in a poetic with poetic lyrics as we went to see him one time. I wish we'd all been ready. And in the song he begins to share about the events of when the tribulation will come. And when the tribulation will come, it's going to change society, it's going to change life in a way that we would never have imagined even though we have the word of God. It cannot begin, you cannot begin to know exactly what it means and so it is a blessing and we should love his appearing love his appearing now you looked in I looked into the meaning of the word near his coming his time is near another version that says shortly shortly and what that means is from a Greek word called entakai. On, one word, takai. And it's T-A-C-H-E-I. And here's what it means. It means swiftness with speed. And the interesting thought, and I'm so glad that Jim Greenwald is here this morning. It is from where we get the word tachometer. If there's anybody who knows about tachometer and speed, and again, it's not the drug. <laughs> what is a drug? It drives you to go fast, doesn't it? And it's this man, Jim, who was involved with racing for many, many years. But that's where tachometer comes from. The same word, Greek word, that we would use to say, his coming is near, also gives us this word, tachometer. And it's the instrument that uh, has to do with the, with the speed of the engine, and it gives you a, uh, an indicator in, on your dash or wherever you mount it, and it lets you know what the RPMs and, and what is happening there. And it is part of the sign of Christ's coming. An illustration that could be handy possibly for the signs that we look at about the appearing of Christ 
would be a long drive. Have you ever went on a long drive, a very long drive? Now, if you have kids in the back, they're saying, are we? Wow, you had the same experiences that Angie and I had. Are we there yet? Now, eventually, you will see a sign of the city that you are going to headed towards. And then it's going to be a long time before you see another sign. If you're me, you're going to think, I got lost again. I don't know where I'm at. But how encouraging after 100 miles or whatever, here's a new sign. And that name of that city is this way. You think, ah, hallelujah. Now here's the amazing thing. The closer you get to your destination, now the signs become rapidly apparent. There's more and more signs. Prophecy is the same way. Sometimes it takes hundreds, hundreds of years before you see the result or the sign that's going to culminate into, in this case, in the Word of God, a prophetic, a prophetic utterance that Christ is coming or this is going to happen. Right now, I do believe the signs are coming more rapid fire. There are times when it seems like, well, it's a long, long ways away, and you actually tend to forget about it. Here's the bad thing about forgetting about the coming of the Lord. You begin to replace the urgency with your own desires. Amen or ouch. And as you replace the urgency with your own desires, watch out, it almost becomes idol worship. Because anything that takes you off the focus of God and that focus is replaced. Now I'm not saying everything from day, you know, from beginning of the morning till you wake up to, till nighttime is going to be everything about the Bible, everything about, about the Lord. But when you, you know what I'm talking about. When you lose your focus, when you lose your importance of what is truly important, your walk with Christ, and more than that, when you lose your focus on that last line because the time is near, because you've gotten so accustomed to it seemingly not as near, but it is near. And as we are on this journey together, the signs are coming more rapidly, more and more and more, that he's coming. I gave you one just a few moments ago that I think even those who are not Christians, even those who do not believe in God, had to look at the scene of the Supreme Court and go, that's something really, really, really wrong. Because most people are sensible. Even if they're not serving Jesus, they are sensible to a degree. And they're going to look at something like that, that display of evil. Or they're going to hear about a mass murder or some heinous crime. We've just heard about a crime of a, of a reporter who was viciously, horribly killed. I mean, it, it, the, the description, there's no way that you can think about it with almost not getting sick. All that was done. 
You know what that was? That was evil. That was demonic, yes. That was totally, you don't do that unless you have a demonic streak. And that means there's demonic encouragement. I've always felt, so this is my feeling, that when the Roman soldiers were whipping Christ with their tools of cruelty, with the, with the little pieces of bone and metal in the, uh, involved in the strands of the whip, as they beat our Lord and Savior, they did so with a vicious energy that was prompted by the hordes of demons from hell. That's my own opinion. But I would say it would be right on. Because no one wanted Christ to die more than Satan. And so we are in a battle, but we also are in a personal battle. How do we keep this last verse in the focus of our eyes and our mind that Jesus is coming. It's one thing to talk about it at church, but it's another thing to live it out every day of your life thinking, will this be the day? Oh, come on, we can get busy. We can get busy doing this. We can get busy doing that. I'm like you. I like, I like sports. I want to keep up with what's happening sports-wise. I want to do this. I want to do that. And, uh, you know, Things take up your time. Your house takes up your time. Your job takes up your time. It goes on and on and on. Heather was, was uh, referring today to, to your schedule. That's a good word. I remember uh, when that was brought up a while back, almost a year and a half, two years ago. It's still a good word. That the enemy will use our schedule. Now, I know we're busy. But, folks, it's so easy to lose sight of the time is near. The time is near. So understanding Revelation is super important. Revelation is called the apocalypse. You know what the apocalypse really means? Unveiling. That's really all it means. It sounds like a word that is a, a very scary word. But what it is, it is the unveiling. And so Jesus unveiled what was to take place as the Father gave it to him, who he in turn gave it to John. John again, he unveiled it to the seven churches that we read about in Revelation 2, 3, 4. And then subsequently, it is spread out to all of Christendom. We are wondering when it's going to take place. I know it's been those who might laugh when we, I say he's coming, his time is near, and that was written 2,000 years ago. Somebody's messed up. Or God's understanding, his ways, his thoughts are above my ways, above my thoughts. His timing. I love it when he moves quick. Sometimes he doesn't move quick. Sometimes the prayer that you pray will never be for your lifetime, but it will be a prayer that is answered after you're gone. You've heard this so often from me because 
I just stand amazed at it. But John the Baptist's dad, when he was in his 60s or 70s, has the angel Gabriel come to him and announce to him, good news, Zachariah. Good news. Your prayers have been answered. Your wife will have a son. And they're both elderly. And now they don't want the answer to their prayers. But you see, God doesn't look at your timing and my timing as being ultimately important because he knows exactly what it is, what you need, at the time you need it. And it may even be that it's not going to take place until you are dead and gone. But your prayers go on. Your prayers do enter into heaven. The Lord hears your prayers. Jesus, sitting at the right hand, he hears your prayers and he intercedes for you. Now, thankfully, God does minister quickly sometimes. Praise the Lord, right? And there's other times he waits. So here's one thing we need to know about signs. Remember in the Old Testament, this scripture from 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32? It says this, from Issachar, Issachar was one of the 12 tribes of Judah. Jacob had 12 sons. This is one of them. From Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Folks, we have to be believers who know the times and know what to do. Who know, recognize, discern the times and know what to do with them. Are we going to serve the Lord in that capacity or are we going to serve the Lord part-time when convenient? Because, come on, let's face it, sometimes we serve the Lord when it's most convenient. And when it's not, that's when we go to prayer and we ask the Lord to forgive us. And then, uh, but we just continue the cycle. I believe there's an urgency right now. And the urgency is great. The urgency is not about Jesus coming. Because you know what? You can look at that as, oh no, he's coming. I look at it as, oh yay, he's coming. How many is the yay? I feel sorry for the rest of you. I mean, it's going to be great. I'm glad he's coming. I am glad he is coming. I am looking forward with anticipation, with anticipation to his coming. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, from the NIV, it says this. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have, get this, loved his appearing. If you read it in the New Living Translation, it says this, and now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. 
And the prize is not just for me, but for all that, here we go, eagerly look forward to his appearing. Let me just ask you a personal question. How many are really looking forward to lunch right now? You see, I am standing between you and lunch. It's an unbearable weight. Weight can be W-E-I, anyway. It's an unbearable weight. We're looking with anticipation. We're going to a birthday party. Autumn's 16th birthday. And so we're having a, a party and uh, going to that. And as she uh, um, is experiencing this great age of life, 16. Wow. There's a lot of things we anticipate. We look forward to eagerly. I would ask you right now, what is maybe the top five items that you are looking forward with anticipation. Then I will follow up that question with this question. Is the coming of the Lord one of those five? I dare not say one or two because probably it's not on your list of one or two. Some of you, yes. Some of you, not. Unfortunately, it might be a list of ten. For some, I'm talking about believers and Christians, it might not even catch the first top 20 or 25. Am I wrong? Or do you think it might be right? So as we look towards the coming of the Lord, it should be an event that we are excited about, that we are looking to with anticipation, eager anticipation. Okay, now I'm going to really get personal. How many is looking forward to a football game this afternoon? One of your favorite teams are playing. NFL team. Beulah said, not me. <laughs> Hallelujah, sister. See, my hearing is not that bad. I love you, Beulah. <laughs> uh, we look forward to these events with great anticipation, with expectation. They capture our attention because, you know, it's our team. And then there's other things that we look forward to, that we look forward to. And you know what? Very few of them have anything to do with evil or that which is really wrong. It's just that on that list that you have that I just gave to you, where does it rank about the coming of the Lord or his appearing. The Bible says, granted, 2,000 years old. Although it says in the word, a day with the Lord is like a 1,000 years, a 1,000 years like a day. God, he could have had Abraham and, and Sarai have Isaac when they were younger, but he waited until Sarah was in her 90s. Now, ladies, at least you got to feel with me on this one. <laughs> and Abraham, 100 years old, I mean, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of time to be a dad. But God 
perfected his will by allowing it to happen exactly when it's supposed to happen. We need to love his appearance. So I'm just going to close it here, but I want to say this. And I do not mean to make this crude, but we have too many love affairs in life. A love affair with things that are not necessarily evil or sinful, but they're out of order in our personal paradigm. At the top of your paradigm, your paradigm should always be vertical and not horizontal. Because what you really, really like in life, I'm going to tell you, is horizontal. It's all things peripheral. It's all things that you can see. But when we know that he comes, has he not said he will come as the angel declared, as he left, so shall he return. And as my brother Jim back there says, I'm looking for the overcomer, not the undertaker. I, I like to be, I like to be in that reunion up there. Because when it says the holy ones who are coming with him, that would be my sister, that would be my mother. I'm pretty confident it will be my dad who spent almost all of his life kicking against the prods, as it, as it says in Scripture. But towards those last years, I'm confident that he went to be with Jesus. And so many others. I was looking at an old directory that Linda came up with in the office the other, just this last week. And as I was looking at this old directory from First Church here, I turned the page and, oh, I buried them. I buried her. I buried him and them. I had eight on one page alone. You know what that means? People are dying. You know what that means? You cannot escape death. It's stated in, in the Word of God that one time, death is going to come. Hallelujah. It's part of our cycle of life. Now, however, if the Lord decides to come while we're still alive, how many would choose that? It'd be, see, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm just afraid of what it's going to feel like. So I'd rather pass on that and just go be with the Lord. And there's no one in here, I know I have 100% on this right now. Because no one wants to end up in the hands of the mortician. Is there an amen? amen? Oh, that was loud. If nothing else, you know, there's probably some of you are cheap enough you don't want to pay for it. So, <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Hallelujah. Man, brothers and sisters, with all seriousness, the signs are abundant. One of the greatest signs Jesus gave himself as it was in the days of Noah. Now you have to really look into that because if you just look at it on the surface, you're thinking, well, it has a lot to do with people marrying. What's wrong with marrying? Marrying is a thing that God invented. 
but it became much, much, much more than that. There's deep uh, spiritual studies on that, especially in the, in the angelic realm. But I won't be going there, but hey, we are in those days. And it got so bad that it says in the Word of God that God regretted making man. And that's why he sent the flood. Can you imagine the Creator regretting the decision to make mankind? And then saying, I will destroy them. But hallelujah for eight people who were counted righteous, especially because of an individual who he saw God in a different light. May we be like Noah. With all the evil around us, may we keep our eyes vertical. Hallelujah. Now see, we get slammed sometimes as, as individuals who think in a wrong fashion that, that uh, thinking about the rapture, thinking about pre-tribulation as opposed to mid-tribulation or post-tribulation, that we're always just doing this and doing nothing. Well, that would be unbiblical. We are supposed to be busy till the day that we die or taken out of here. So we're supposed to be busy until the day that we are taken out of here. Hmm. We're supposed to be busy until the day that we are taken out of here. Hallelujah. We've got much to do. Many souls to win. Thank you, Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you, God, that you have declared Jesus a revelation. Lord, you have declared an unveiling of the plan of the Father. And that unveiling is difficult to understand in its entirety. But Lord, in those, in those chapters, we can pretty well determine that there's going to be a tremendous, tremendous change that's going to impact this earth, that's going to impact the societies, the countries. Lord, we don't even know if the United States is going to make it through. What we know, though, Lord, is that you love us, you desire that we would be with you, and today we're going to ask you to forgive us for maybe the times when we have failed to focus on you first, when we have failed to love your appearing, when we've gotten distracted by our jobs, our schools, by our hobbies, our houses, business. Lord, today, we offer up our hearts to you and we say, oh God, help me to be 100% in love with you before anything else. May my paradigm begin with God Almighty. And if that's you right now, I want you to 
I want you just to raise your hand really high. Hallelujah. Who else would say that today? I got my hands up, both of them. I want my priorities to change. I think about it often, but I'm feeling like I don't think about it as much as I need to. When we are a church, when we are a people, you want your family to be saved? Love the appearing. Love the close coming of the Lord. Looking for a miracle? Make your priority first, Him coming. And everything else will fall into alignment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I pray, God, that you would grant unto us your encouragement that we would live with an eagerness, a love. We ask it in your precious name. Lord, if there's anyone here today that is not serving you, who is not really walking the way they should with you, I pray that they will make a 180 turnaround. Lord, I am praying that at the end of this service, when I say amen and everyone's walking out the door, that they would come up and they would say, Pastor Gary, I want to rededicate my life. Or I want to dedicate my life for the very first time. I pray that you give them boldness. Holy Spirit, this I know. You are the one who draws men and women onto yourself. It's not me. It's not anybody else. It's you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray that if there's anyone here in a lost condition, that they will, that they will come. And they will say, would you pray with me? Hallelujah. Pray that you have an awesome rest of the day. Let me just put my uh, district director's hat on for a second. Next Sunday morning, you do not want to miss Steve Sampson. Many of you have heard him. Folks, it may be that a word that he comes with prophetically will be the word for you. Don't miss that opportunity. Sunday night, we're having a district rally with our district churches at Calvary Open Bible Saturday or Sunday night, next Sunday night, 6 o'clock. Don't miss either, either time because I've heard my brother give some words that have been amazing. And he's an awesome preacher on top of it. May God bless you. And I meant what I said. If you need to give your heart to Jesus, turn your life around, come up here and have prayer with me before you, before you go. Greet someone as you leave. Blessings be unto you and your family. Hallelujah.